Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as the, the advanced course, which just came out. That includes 10 new chapters, as well as Microsoft Excel tools built from the ground up from James McCool to help you be more accurate and more efficient with your process. And join with me, as always, during the NFL season, discussing week six. Neil Orfield from Stochastic uh, on t- so many shows. On the contrary, in the tournament strategy show, and the ownership show, and everything. And now that basketball's back, you, you may even be on more NFL shows. Yeah, I'm, it looks like I'm just doing more NFL. I was unsure if they were going to throw me into some uh, NBA shows. But for the time being, at least, it looks like I'm just doing NFL every day. Is that what you want? Honestly, yeah. I think uh, at some point I wouldn't mind doing some NBA content, but NBA, I've said it before, it's the one sport that I'm really reliant on other people's touting. And I know you said before, I could just wait for projections to update. And uh, But I do think there are little nuggets here and there. I think we have really great NBA analysts at Stochastic, uh, so I, I don't mind just listening to them for NBA and sticking to NFL myself. Right. I, I do the same at Roto-Grinders, like... I, I think our projections team is very good. Let them make the adjustments throughout the day and minutes and usage and everything. And I'll get the numbers at the end and I'll, I'll, I'll build my lineups. And especially in a much lower variant sport with the less event driven, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be geared a lot by the projections. And that yeah. in NFL, I, I, I highlighted this on the Blitz show. I filled in for Will this past week with, with Cardi. And I discussed it this morning as well. Uh, this past week in NFL was it felt like a little bit more of an old school like type of NFL DFS week with oh we got tons of value or running backs around yep. and everything like that and people I saw the sentiment so much in some discords of oh this is an easy week for cash and I I said on Friday on on Thursday show or even or, and then on the Blitz show I said no this is a tough week for cash this is an easy because everybody's going to be playing the same lineups. Well, it's not, but it's not the same lineup. See, the problem is when you have, let's say, if we had like two obvious, three obvious values, mm-hmm. like the lineup construction leads you in a way where, well, this this 7K guy is obviously two points better projected than this guy, and this defense is obviously better projected than that. It like it leads you to much more similar lineups yep. that all project. Like there's there's not much there's it's it's there's not much uh, variation to it. Okay. So there are a so, lot of lineups that projected pretty similarly at the top. Right, and then there's a big gap. So like when you have too much value, what ends up happening is that there are like four or five lineups that project very close to each other, and then there's a gap rather than like two lineups that project close to each other. So it's a matter of. Well, I know that a lot of people are going to play lineup A, B, C, and D, and they all project within a half a point of each other. Which one is the better lineup? I, I, who knows which one is the better lineup, but I know that the variance of each lineup is still the same. So it's matters of, does my hot hundred lineup train beat their hundred lineup train beat the other right. hundred lineup train? And if you were to tell me which one, which lineup is better than the other, there's no definitive. We're talking about 5149s at best. But let's take a slight like like NBA. I think it happens much more often in NBA. We get a whole ton of people out, and basically like four spots, five spots in your lineup 
are like pre-plugged in. Like, yeah. and then once based on the position of those players and everything, like you press, you press that optimal button, right? On, on your, on your, on your optimizer, or you build the top 20 projected lineups. Lineup one is going to be like two points better projected than the, than number two. And number two is going to be a point projected than number three. Like if you don't play those like five or six players, like you drop off immediately, which means if you don't do that, you're making a much bigger mistake. And in cash games, it's about competing against people that make big mistakes. So like it's much tougher to make a big mistake when there are several three V threes and four V fours that don't drop off like that. They're like, Nope, that's good also. And that's good also. And that's good also. So like in cash games on DraftKings, I, I lost money this week. But it was uh, it was essentially on a three v three. Did you play the uh, the DK Metcalf? I saw you made a joke about playing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and locking yep, that, in. that was the that was the bl- that was the blitz optimal as well as the blended kind of yeah. uh, industry wide. I mean, made sense. Made a lot of sense to me. Right, but this number two was instead of playing Metcalf, instead of playing Metcalf Henderson and the Panthers defense, you play Godwin Walker and the Saints defense. And that was yeah. within a half a point. And I was like, I prefer Walker to Henderson. Yep. But do I want DK Metcalf or Godwin? Like, I, th- this is so close. I just I just went with, like, whatever the Seahawks do, I'm just going to get all the points. Right? Yeah, yeah and, I, and I did. And, they, and I got all nine and a half of them uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because of that. So, like, they were like 100 in the, in the big $25 double up. There were like 110 people with my lineup and like 128 people with that other lineup. And then there were six. How many entries total in that contest? Oh, like 5,000 something. I mean, whatever. Okay. And then there were 600 and something entries with a Diggs lineup that looked similar to that with Kamara instead of Walker or whatever. Like I knew that lineup also. So it's like that lineup projects fine also. I mean, like it's, you're looking at lineups and you go, close your eyes and pick one. Like, that's not an easy week in cash. Easy week doesn't mean I feel comfortable about my lineup, right? Because right. it's like, oh, which any way I go, I feel like, oh, okay, I'm not like, I don't, if I don't have Andrews in the lineup, okay, I don't mind, but I then I have Diggs in my lineup. If I don't. Unless uh, there th- are th- some really bad players in the field. You don't have enough, you don't have a lot of players in the field who are just like not playing anything close to the optimal. I've always assumed that in cash, you still run into a number of players who yeah, just but that, that's don't more, use projections. But and, the, the thing is, Neil, is that, when there are more obvious options, more of the field plays them. So like just like by accident, with even without using projections, they play them by accident. You think? Yeah, because they're the most touted. I mean, like who's not playing Eno Benjamin and Ramondre Stevenson in cash? Who's not playing Tyler Lockett in cash? Who, who's not playing Josh Allen? You take a look at this ownership, and these guys are eighty-five plus percent owned. It's oh, like because yeah. those are the easy ones, and the more that there are, now all the other options are very similar to one another. I prefer the slates where in cash, there's like one or two, like you probably should play them in cash. And then you probably should pay down a tight end instead of paying up here because you sacrifice points there. Like those are where people make mistakes. But when, when you get like, like these layups, like not enough of the field make the mistake of not playing the layups, they'll play all the layups and then their three V three or four V four it's not that far off from you, no matter what mm-hmm. they choose, as long as they use all their salary. Right. Like, 
that's not an easy week in cash. It's not about how you, how you feel. It's it's not it's not about the feels. It's it's right. a, it's a, it's about what your lineup is in comparison to other lineups that are combinatorially different from yours. I'm using the combo tropics or whatever Going the made there, up the huh? made up words. So yeah. so a, a hard a, a a better slate. So like. For instance, especially since we're coming up to NBA, and you'll you'll be doing this more in NBA than you would for NFL. That the strength of your of how good of a GPP slate it is, is how many lineups in total exist that give up x a, a small x amount percentage of points. So, like on an NBA slate where there is several value plays. And then the rest of the the rest of the the pricing is fairly efficient. Like it's much more optimal to play the value plays, and it's like, well, I got four spots left in my lineup. It's like, yeah, but any four is going to project about like about this. Like you're going to be five points below the optimal with like five thousand different lineups, as mm-hmm. opposed to a slate where there's so much more value that how many lineups leave only five points. Projection, there may only be a couple of hundred, right? Right. Because now if you're getting off, now if you take out another of the value plays, now your projection goes down. Now you're 12 points behind the optimal. You take out another one, now you're 19 points. Now now you're giving up way too much projection. So it's like, it's it's those, it's the slates of build, like in lineup HQ, build 300 optimal lineups, right? Just start at default, whatever, fantasy cruncher, whatever the hell optimizer you use. Have no restrictions, no nothing, no correlation, no who gives a shit, no ownership cap, no nothing. And just run, the, give me the top 300, give me the top 500, give me the top 1500, whatever it is. Like there are slates that have limited value. You're going to, you're going to run, you're going to run, a, you're going to run basically a lineup. Number one, like if everything was efficient, for instance, lineup one to lineup 300 would barely have a difference. Right, right, if the pricing was perfect, yep. right. So, like now, the pricing is somewhat off. But if there's no, if there's no slam dunk value plays, next thing you know, it's like now the ownership is efficient. Also, like, like, right. like you're not you, you go down two points of projection, you get a l- little bit less ownership and X, Y, and Z. If there's one yep. big value play, let's say there's one like free square, quote unquote, like you're probably jamming that into 100 percent of your lineups in basketball, especially. Because, like, if you don't, you're dropping 10 points in projection immediately. Right. Which means you have to hope that all your all your players do well. You're probably sharing a bunch of players with a team that has that value play. And you're giving up 10 points in projection to do so. Like, right. it's much better to just, well, I'm just going to jam that guy in. Because the if I take that guy out, the next best lineup is 10 points lower projected. Right. Right? How many lineups are there in between 0 and 10? That are that are only seven points lower projected. Well, those have that value play in, and there may be thousands of them. There right. may be hunt. I mean, depends on the size of the slate, but on a large slate, there may be thousands of them. And those thousands of them are still have enough leverage for you to even win a large field GPP. So, like, right. why why would you give up ten points projection to not play the value play, the heavy value depends. that? It does depend on the ownership to some extent. If he's getting ninety nine percent ownership, maybe you're hoping for, you know, things get maybe it's a little but more even fragile if that's projection the, than we. Yeah, but even if that's the case, Neil, the other seven players in your lineup are probably very similar to ones, like 
You're not you're you're assuming doing that you're a pivoting 1v1. to some other if you're doing a one v one, but that's assuming that you're playing another player who has a similar salary to that player. True. But even if you're not, you may still be sharing four or five players with a lineup that has that player in it also. Sure. Your goal yeah. is to share as as few players as possible. If I'm going to share as few players as possible, wouldn't it be better to share the player that has a 12x median? I'll well, share yeah. that player with the field, yeah. and then I'll be a 4v4, 5v5 off of the rest when the value is so clear. So I, I relate it to this cash versus GPP, like easy versus hard. It's like when there's too much value, it's harder for your opponents to make mistakes. Because yeah. there's just more value to choose from. So it's like maybe you don't hit them all, but you're more even if you throw darts, you're more likely to hit value than anything. Like it's very rare in cash games. I'm not gonna find a lineup that doesn't have like any of Eno, Ramondre, Lockett. I'm not yeah. gonna or Allen. Like I'm not gonna like people are gonna have two of them, three of I mean like Rondell Moore. You people are gonna have some combination because they're so obvious. Yeah. That like how how much different are your lineups going to be from even the weakest players? Not as much as you think. Yet on slates yeah. where the value is less obvious, where there's value, but not as slam dunk, it's much more likely that people just miss. They more like they don't get that the the sixty seven hundred dollar player that should be seventy eight hundred. Like you should be playing that guy in cash, and they choose just some other player instead, and they do that two or three times, and now their lineup is five points lower projected. That's it's hard to get a lineup that's five points lower projected in cash on slates where half the half the half half your lineup is almost preloaded. You know what I'm just remembering? I uh, I actually looked at on Saturday. I looked to see if you had posted any head to heads on DraftKings in like the five dollar range, and I was going to try and scoop one of your head to heads to see if I could uh, land on your lineup. I just want to see if I could figure out what your cash game lineup was going to be, and I never did the exercise to figure out what it was going to be. But I was thinking there are so many obvious plays on here. I wonder if this is uh, an obvious cash spot, but yeah, I mean, I, your, your logic obviously follows for me that uh, if it's if all the projections are too close, there's no real advantage that you're going to have on other players. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. It would have been fun to try to see if I could match your cash game lineup, but well, you could just look at it later. It. I don't know why you have to take any games or anything. You just look through lineup yeah, rewind I could've, I could've or results DB or something. I mean, like you don't like people do that. It's like, oh, I just I just took a head dead so I could see your lineup. It's like. It's the same line I'm playing the double ups. I mean, you're not gonna, like, you don't have to take my head dads. I mean, just. But well, then it would have been more work for me to like, you know, write down all of the players I was gonna play in that lineup because I'm not gonna play my whatever the cash lineup is gonna be. I'm not gonna play that in a GPP. So I just I didn't bother. Right, and uh, in GPP this slate, uh, I I I I wouldn't have changed anything really. I mean, from an ownership perspective, I kind of. I don't see any any misses. I think I I I had the uh, the Buccaneers wide receivers a little lower owned, mm-hmm. uh, but everything else was kind of. You know, I'm just scrolling through. I had Justin Jefferson lower owned. I mean, he came in at 15. Uh, but I had I had the I had the the general gist I I had right. I thought that with the cheap running backs available, that the high end wide receivers would be over owned. Or we we get most of the ownership, and the 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 players that have ceilings that won't be as owned are those six over six k running backs, like the Barclays, the Mixons, the Camaras, the Leonard Fournettes. So I was looking to play more of them, and not play more than one of Eno, Ramondre, and uh, 
Henderson or Walker. Like, just max one of those four. And then make sure to basically play. And I played a bunch of Deion Jackson instead because he was at least lower on than that. And then the other thing was to not play Lockett or Ronald Moore in anything other than game stacks. Because as a one, like if they get there, that means the game probably gets there. And I did the same with Stefan Diggs. So like Stefan Diggs is a one-off. I just, I removed. And the Seattle, Arizona game and the Buffalo uh, uh, Chiefs, uh, the Buffalo Kansas City game. I played only as three plus two stacks, not even three mm-hmm. plus one, but three plus like three from one side, two from the other side, Arizona, Seattle. Like it would be something like Gino Lockett, Metcalf, uh, Eno Moore, Eno Hertz, uh, Ertz. Then it would be something like, like Allen Diggs, Knox, uh, Allen Diggs, Allen Diggs, McKenzie, Kelsey, Juju, you know, like something like that. That yep. if the game goes off, I got it. And if it doesn't go off, most of my other lineups don't have like the main pieces of that game at all. And from a barbell approach, it did work out, right? Because, you know, my Arizona-Seattle lineups, way at the bottom. Yep. But Everywhere. I'm not stuck there with Tyler Lockett's three points in an otherwise good lineup that yep. had uh, the Bengals, you know, the Joe Burrow games or, you know, or or Matt Ryan lineups that I had a couple of. Uh, but it looks here from from your exposure that that your biggest, it seemed like your biggest leverage point on on the slate was to basically go overboard on like Kittle and Pitts, like the, the tight ends in the mid-range that people weren't going to play as much. Because Pitts yeah. was 2.4% owned and the Millie Kittle was 7% owned. And you had one or both of them in like almost half your lineup. Yeah. Yep. I was a big, big stand I took was I thought those guys had a real opportunity to score a lot of fantasy points at really low ownership. uh, And it didn't really work out. They were both fine. Neither of them, you know, really did what I needed them to do to break the slate. Yeah, I I did the opposite. I just went way overboard on Mark Andrews. Yep. That also that worked out better. Right. I just went way. I just said I just looked and it said the chances tight end is a position that if you could get that guy that has 30, 40 points, like no one can catch up. Everyone has to play some bullshit tight end with nine points or something. Uh, yep. I'm going to win that way. That's why I played a ton of Lamar. A lot of Lamar, Barkley, Andrews types lineups. Some Slayton yep. throw in there. Obviously Duvernay didn't do all that well. I had him thrown in there. Uh, but yeah, I just thought at the, at the tight end position, I thought at the tight end and the running back position, there was there was an outsized likelihood that you're gonna need you're gonna have a player that you need to need to have, and people were playing yeah. other things. So like I could have done that at running back, or could I I could have done it at tight end, but I wasn't gonna do it at both. So like right. if if going with your way of like I'm just gonna play a lot of pits, a lot of kittle, a lot of these tight ends that people weren't playing that have ceilings, and then kind of like eat the chalk running backs. I was like no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna eat the highest ceiling tight end, and yeah. then. I'm going to I'm going to hope I get a, a Lenny Fournette 36 game or a Barkley 30 plus like a game where raw point wise they would beat out a 7 to 8k wide receiver. So it's like I want a game where Fournette has the same points that Diggs has. I want yep. Fournette to have the same points that Kamara to have the same points as Chase or something like that and then find the 5k guys that you know like the Christian Kirk that 
Okay, he has 28, right? Uh, Brandon Ayu, he, he, he had a bunch, right? Like like, yeah. like someone in that range and built for that construction because it was a less used construction. So, like, looking back at my lineups, like, I'm not, I'm fine. I mean, I, I didn't do poorly in GPP. I mean, I was under in the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Yeah. I was over on the Seattle-Arizona game, but the key is that those lineups just died. Like, it's just like, I was perfectly fine with those. If those two games went off, I got more than the field in a lineup because a lot of people are playing like two plus ones or one to ones or three yeah. plus ones. It's like, nope, I'm playing five guys from the game or I'm not, or you're not seeing much out of me. You're going big on the game stacks. Yeah, that's uh... right. So but, I... for the, for, but for that, but then I would play more of like Brady stacks, Lamar stacks, Matt Ryan yeah. stacks, Burrow stack, like just stack one of the 1 p.m. games. And then, well, I got super stacks in the late games and, the only the only person I that I couldn't uh, get out of that condition was Eno Benjamin. Just that Eno at forty six hundred was like yeah. I can't he just have him in games that it's it just he projects too well for his price. Yeah, that even Eno Benjamin getting nineteen points like I'll, somebody asked I me mean, if I thought it was okay to lock him into lineups this week. Actually, I, I was asked, do you think it's okay to lock in Eno Benjamin and Ramondre Stevenson into every lineup? And I said, it's not what I'm doing, but I think that this is a fine week to do that. Like they both project well enough, in my opinion, uh, that this is a slate that I, I wouldn't mind locking those guys. Yeah, we just have to build sense. around them. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's not like I, it's not like I couldn't have built Eno Ramondre lineups. Just I chose not. To. I chose to yeah. say I'm not playing for that condition. Like I yeah. much, I'd much rather get a wide variety of lineups that I could still play some of the chalk in the rest of my lineup and be different in construction. When you're yeah. when you're jamming in, I mean, we're talking about in the milli. Eno was forty six percent owned, and Ramondre was thirty nine percent owned. When you're yeah. eating, you're eating eighty. 85 percentage points in ownership. And I'm typically looking somewhere in the milli to be within like 80 to 120 combined. Yeah. It's like a little bit different everywhere else. Right, dude, you need you need seven more things in your lineup that only add up to like 35 percentage points of ownership. Good luck keeping your projection up doing that. Uh I yeah. I didn't I I didn't see how I did that, so I just didn't. And yeah. I also and also I look at what Here's a, here's, a, here's another thing that I mentioned on today's pregame show. And I've highlighted from 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 JM to win plenty of times. I, I to me it's it, it's the it's the thing that I learned the most from him when he used to do the NFL edge for roto grinders. Mm-hmm. Uh the had to have it. Had to have it. Had to have it. You know, how do you fade Ramondre Stevenson at 6000? Yeah, if he gets 20 points, you might not have to have it. Right, you might you might it might still be in the winning lineup. Like I'm not saying yeah. that. Like oh, oh, have, he yeah. failed. But right. it isn't a score that you had to have the winning Millie, uh, Stevenson. If you told, if I told you, Ramondre Stevenson put up 25 points, which is exactly what he did. In your 150 lineups, how how, how much of you would you have played? If I would have told you at 6,000 he scored 25 points, I, I think I would have locked him. Okay, but a good I mean, shot. I think that it's good enough that. You know, it's a it's a good enough baseline that I would want to have it in there. I, I know it's not a, a have to have it score, but twenty five points at six thousand, I think is good enough that I would probably lock it and just worry about working around it from there. Right, but Ramondre was even at twenty five points, wasn't even in the million winning lineup. Yeah, I know. 
right? You didn't have to have it. Now, you could have had it, but you didn't have to have it. So, like, there's a difference between the two. So people get scared on, like, well, what happens if 30% on whatever is the best value, whatever the hell goes off? And I'm like, well, what's going... Like, you really have to define what going off is. If Tyler Lockett had 22 to 24 points, you'd be like... Like, think think of a game, seven for 100 with a touchdown. That sounds like a Tyler Lockett game. Like, you'd be satisfied. Yeah. That's 23 points, uh, 26 points, because you yeah. get the bonus. Yeah. For 5,600. Most likely, I know you do those polls on Twitter. Like, most likely, I'd say, he is a good shot, especially at his ownership, to being in the will- winning, milly milly winning lineup. But even at 26 points, is it is it a hat? Is it a no locket, no no cash? It's no. still not it's even with that line, it's still not because it's not what he scores, it's what other people score. So imagine imagine if uh if if uh Lockett put up 20, 26 points. It's like like, dude, I'm looking through. I'm gonna name some people that would you be shocked if they had twenty-six points? Also, Amari Cooper. No. No. Deontay Johnson. Deont- uh, no. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Drake London, Juju, which he did. Right. We saw it from right. Ayuk and Juju were at least right there. Right. I'm looking through Christian Kirk. Right. Yeah. I'm These naming. Guys that can put up 20. So it, I, it, it, I mean, the, the question was, if you knew that he was going to get 26 points, that's like in... 80th, 85th percentile. Right, you'll, you'll take if you knew. So right. I would lock it in. But yeah, right. but if, without knowing that, then yes, the, the point is. Right, well, Jalen Waddle. If I told you, if it, if I told you that uh, Jalen Waddle would be six percent owned and Tyler Lockett would be thirty percent owned, do you think Lockett has a five times more likelihood of putting up twenty six points? Right. Yeah. No. No. So like, like the had to ha- what's a had to have it score from Lockett. Seven for uh, eight for 135 and two touchdowns. Right. Yeah. There you go. That's what you should be scared of. When people talk about being scared, they're being scared of like median outcomes of like of of 70th percentile outcomes. It's like, dude, it's an 11 game slate. If it was a three game slate, 26 points, that's going to be much more closer to a had to have it. But like when digs, if, if, if I, I mean, I knew they played, they played at different times, but like, you couldn't tell me that before the slate, like you look in, if I told you Diggs had 33 points, like, is there, and obviously if the games were on at different times, like, are you dead? Well, it, while still having Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, like, you don't know their scores yet. It's right. like, is there an instance where like, that, like, oh, if you don't have digs, you're dead. Like, no, you have plenty of guys that could outscore him also. And then also you can't even fit all of them in your lineup. So it's hard to have both of them in it. So yeah. like these thresholds of of what, when you play GPPs and go, what's good chalk and bad chalk? I hate, I hate that type of, type of thinking of there's no such thing as good chalk and bad chalk. There's just good lineups and bad lineups. They sure. could contain one chalk piece, but not another. They all have ranges of outcomes. So you can't say that Ramondre Stevenson was good chalk and Kenneth Walker's bad chalk. Like that, 
No, it's it's a projected range of outcomes. How do you build your lineups accordingly? But if sure. you're sitting there going, yeah, Ramondre could crush. And I'm like, well, picture in your head what what is a score in which that you will have no hope in the world. Right? If you're playing one, let's say, even one 35. lineup. 35? Yeah, something like that for Ramondre at, at 6,000. I don't think you're winning. If, he, if he's putting up 35 at the ownership that he was getting, 40% ownership, I don't think you have much of a shot. You might right. have a little bit of a shot, but right. pretty but pretty slim at that point. Now, name name the actual stats of a line that scores 35 fantasy points. Uh, let's see. 100, 100 rushing yards, 100 receiving yards. He's what, now we're up to 26 uh, plus however many receptions. We'll, we'll give him a touchdown in there. Now he's up to 32 and three three receptions for those 100 yards. There's there's 35. Uh, right, so a double bonus game with two touchdowns. That's one touchdown there, by the way. Right, okay, double bonus game with one. Well, let's say he doesn't get the double bonus. Let's say yeah. let's say it's a, he has 140 yards rushing, right? That's 17 points, yep. two touchdowns, right? So that yep. now we're talking about 20, 29. 29. And let's say you throw in six six for thirty, right? Now you're at thirty eight. Yeah. Okay. That that that's a Ramondre ceiling ceiling. That's not a that's not a median performance. That's a right. ceiling performance. So it's like okay, you're fading that, right? You're not fading. You're not fading what he did. You're not fading at. at I mean, 25, what? 25 points, right? You're not like you would like to have it. It's going to be, yeah, 25 points for Stevenson at 40% owned. Yeah, that that's detrimental to your lineups if you don't have them in your line. True, yeah. But is it had to have it? No. No. I so, agree. like, so even if you're playing, like, three lineups or one lineup or ten, whatever amount of lineups, you go, yeah, I... I I I got I got to play I got to play the good chalk. I'm not saying he was bad chalk. I think I Stevenson was fine. I was a lunder on Stevenson, but he fit in lineups that he needed to fit in, right? I thought Eno would fit in lineups that he needed to fit in, but like if you're like, how do you fade Eno? Well, what's the what are you scared of? Like what? Name it in football terms because these fantasy points psychologically you don't understand what they. A lot of people don't understand what they relate to. They go, well, if Eno puts up you know, 25 points, like I'm dead. It's like, yeah, well, 25 is, yeah, at 4,600, that's going to be, that's going to be tight. That may be a had to, that may be a had to have it type of thing. But yep. name, okay, now break down what 25 points is for Eno Benjamin. And then once you start breaking it down to like the yardage and the touchdowns and and you go, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a pretty big damn game for his role. And you go, yeah. like your people are acting as if like, Oh, his media projection's good, right? His media projection's, you know, 15. And you're like, well, what happens if I don't have those 15 points? It's like, you don't need his 15 points. Dude, if he only scored 15 points you're, you're and you're a GP play, P player that doesn't have him, you're doing cartwheels, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that Eno can't be in a winning lineup with 15 points. It's just that as a GPP player, I don't, I, I don't, need, I don't, I don't need him. When I don't play Nick Chubb, in 75 lineups and he puts up 42, I close my laptop. Like, like that, like the, the yeah. slate is over for me. It's like, that's the way it goes. When in the past, Derrick Henry puts up, he put up 51 slate. I'm sitting there with no Derrick Henry. Like, yeah, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Right. Will Fuller had that week, but two years ago, three years ago, 
He got like 48 points at wide receiver as chalk also. You don't have him in your lineup. Just those are what you're fading. But even on the week like this, like you didn't need any, like, like literally. No, I don't know you had to have. Yeah. I don't think there was any, I mean, Deion Jackson would have been nice to have. Yeah. Probably would have helped you the most. But if we take a look at the top 1% of lineups that finished in the Millie. The top ones were Chase and Diggs. Like, yes, you needed you needed at least one 30-point wide receiver. Yeah. You needed. So if you didn't have Chase or Diggs, you were in bad shape. But outside of that, look at all these other numbers. Yeah. So I here's a Oh, these are all wide receivers. Let me let me let me go to everyone. Okay. Yeah. Chase 63, Ramondre 58, Diggs 54, Burrow 42, Allen 40. Eno, thir- Eno Benjamin with nine points was still in 37% of the top 1% lineups. Only because he was yeah. just so owned. Yeah. Exactly. Right? The but if we take a look at these, I'm, I'm, I'm looking on, I'm looking on the, the leaderboard now. Let me switch over. Because the winning lineup had n- none of those. The winning lineup's top owned player was Jamar Chase at 14%. That's it. Second place had Kenny Walker. As the highest on player in a borough stack and no one else. No Stevenson. The next lineup, highest on player was Diggs and Walker and Allen. No Stevenson. Then the fourth place lineup had Stevenson and Benjamin. Okay, so the fourth place lineup with 210 had Burrow, Stevenson, Benjamin, Chase, Ayuk, Duvernay, Andrews, Deion Jackson, and the Jets defense at 2%, getting 20 points. So here's a Stevenson-Benjamin lineup. But if you take a look at the rest of the lineup, 2% Ayuk, 8% Deion Jackson, 4% Burrow, right? 2% Jets Chase defense. Is there. What? Chase in there? Yeah, Chase is in there Chase with Burrow. Right. Yeah, Burrow-Chase. Yeah, yeah. Right. You needed Chase or Diggs. So it's like, here's a lineup that used Stevenson. You didn't, did he need Stevenson? No. Yep. Right? It could have been, He would have been better off going down from Stevenson to Walker. And then moving Eno Benjamin to some other, putting Deion Jackson in that spot and playing some $4,800 wide receiver, playing something there, he would have gotten yeah. more points. Like, you didn't even need, but because he was 46% owned, like, but you have to build your lineup this way. So it's like, Stevenson wasn't needed. Ready? Right? Yeah. So I, I have a question for you. Can, can I pose a question for you? Sure. So I'm looking at Eno Benjamin. I, I just, I'm, uh, I pulled up a number of sharp players uh, just to, to see if I can uh, make this point. So, Eno Benjamin was 46% owned on this slate. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at some of the sharpest players in the field. Uh, so I already had, I had myself pulled up. I'm at 58%. But then I see, so uh, Roronosaurus Flex had 79% Eno Benjamin. Rick 75, 83% Eno Benjamin. Uh, Frankie Bourne, slightly below the field at 39%. Larry Odo, 58%. Muck Lovin, 33%. Nerdy Tenor, 57%. So most of these players, and these are just a, a random assortment. Right. In of, my um, 75 players, lineups, Neil, I had 51% Eno Benjamin. Yeah. So I, my question is, would you be, with a player like Eno Benjamin, where it's going to take a lot to have to have him, would you rather be on the side of all of the Sharps, or would you rather be you know, competing with the people who are not necessarily using projections and or, you know, the weaker part of the field in a millimaker type contest where you have a lot of dead lineups. I would imagine if if those sharps, if all of the sharps are on one player and it's a player like, you know, Benjamin, where it's like, you know, is he really how confident are you that he's going to put up a have to have it score? Uh, I have taken the stand at times before where I go against what I think the sharps are going to do because I would rather compete against 
you know, those the yeah, other but that's, that you, the, you, you, the sharps don't contain most of the field. Yeah. I want to be on the plus EV lineups. I'm not, it's, I'm not duplicating lineups with these people. I mean, there's too many combinations. So like, why wouldn't I want to be, I mean, that, that seems like a dumb question. Like I, I want to, right. If, all right, that's fair. If he makes I guess, up I guess more if the plus EV lineups than I can, then why wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm overestimating the amount of sharps there are in the field, but that's a good point. That's, they make up what one, 2% of the field. So in the milli, really especially right. Yeah. Like what, yeah. Are we, what are we talking about now? Like, of course I want to, <laughs> like, dude, and at his price and his projection, it, it, you know, Benjamin was closer to that, you know, 4K point guard in NBA than Stevenson and Walker and Henderson at his, at his price. So it's like he fit in, he fit into, I, I had to mitigate it. If you're going to eat the ownership on Stevenson or Benjamin, like I'd rather eat the ownership and also get fourteen hundred dollars in salary to use. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the same, was... at the same process, at the same time, because I can make that up on, on other receivers. I can make that. I mean, dude, we we have, we got other stuff. Just same for Andrew. Like Andrews wasn't as owned as I thought he was going to be. So like like dude, I Andrews in like half my line. I think at forty six percent Andrews. It's like I'm just I'm just that I'm I'll find I can build non Andrews lineups, but I'm just choosing to build more Andrews lineups. The same thing with with Eno Benjamin. I'm only playing. Remember, my decision was to only play one of those four running backs in a lineup, right? Sure. I'm not playing two of them. I could build those lineups. I'm just choosing not. I'm choosing other lineups that don't look like that because I want to put in Kamara and Fournette and Barkley and those guys and not Diggs and Chase, right? I'm trying. I may have a Diggs lineup in an Allen lineup. I may have a Chase lineup in a Burrow lineup. I may have Chase as a one-off. In some lineups, but I'm trying to like, I'm trying to, can I find a running back that matches that score or has that ceiling? Because the people that have the cheap running backs, if Henderson puts up 18 and, 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 uh, Walker puts up 18 and Eno puts up 14 and Stevenson puts up 20, like those would be useful if you're able to get like Justin Jefferson's 38 and Jamar Chase's 35 or something like that. But what yeah. what what happens if those what happens if Diggs sit, is sitting there with nineteen points? What happens if Jefferson's sitting there with fifteen? What happens if Chase uh, only has twenty two, and it's like and Leonard Fournette has thirty two and Barkley is twenty eight? Like yeah. they're using their running back spots for the nineteen pointers, and I'm using my running back spots for the thirty pointers and my wide receiver spots. I get the nine. I the, your Diggs nineteen. I have in Christian Kirk for like three thousand less or something. Right. Right. So I, I was building for those constructions. So like yeah. I, and I was, I was doing that with Andrews paying up seven K for a tight end rather than if you're going to be playing a lot of Allen Diggs types lineups, you're probably going to have to punt the tight end. So it's like, I'm not competing against those lineups. So it's like the right. only time I want to have those lineups is with correlated pieces. Yep. That makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I follow that. Uh, I had another point that I was going to make. Oh, I was, was going to make a point about uh, double stacking. So I've this year I've been a lot more inclined to double stack just after some conversations with Alex in particular, talking about how he's done some research and double stacking just tends to be the better approach for the largest field GPPs. I've always in the past instinctively, my instinct has been the larger the GPP, the less I want to double stack because you need to be more close to perfection so right. i'd rather well that's it's I, a I'd, it, I'd neil you're right but it's a balance 
yeah, it's a balance of, you know, getting closer to perfection, but also, you know, the correlation still matters enough that, uh, yeah, it's a tough balance. Uh, obviously this week I have regrets because all of my Bengals I had, I was above the field on Burrow, but I always, I always double stacked and outside of Jamar Chase, nobody did anything. So yeah, but you could have, Hurst, Hurst could have been in a winning lineup. Did he, did he do much? No, okay. he got five points, but I mean, out, yeah, out, I mean, outside of, uh, I mean, tight end, you didn't win a tight end this week. That's true. Like Andrews put up twenty six, but he's also seven k. Right. So like like get, like I could go through these lineups in the in the in the milli. Like here you go, the t- tight end winner Tanyan. Uh, second place Tanyan, Dawson Knox third place, Mark Andrews fourth place, Dawson Knox uh, fifth, Travis Kelsey. Six. He had twenty-two points. Zach so, I mean, Ertz. You, you could theoretically win with Hayden Hurst. I'm sure it was possible, but also these guys all have more than ten fantasy points. Did more than ten fantasy points better than Hayden Hurst at like the same. True. Some of no, them. that's true. But still, that's Dawson Knox had twelve. Dawson Knox had twelve. It's not. I mean, okay. we're not talking about a hell of a lot. If you played the Jets defense, you you would have definitely gotten a lot more uh, above other people. But I mean, yeah. But it wasn't a had. It wasn't one of those weeks where. Like, oh, Travis Kelsey, 35. Like, you pretty much right. need it. I mean, like, yeah. or or some $2,500 chalk tight end puts up 18. And it's like, well, yeah. no other tight end put up, like, more than 20. So, like, saving 4000 in salary, that's that's what you needed to do so. Yeah. But I think you could have definitely, you could have made a, a top 10 winning lineup, even with Hayden Hurst, Jamar Chase, Borrow yeah. Chase, even with Kamara in that lineup, you probably trade. You play no. What you do, you play Traquan Smith as the as the run back at a cheap price, and then that lineup it's quite possible to also have Diggs in it. So you have Diggs yeah. and Chase and Deion yeah. Jackson in the lineup. I mean, obviously we're trying to put together like yeah, the, the lineup, retrospect. but it's yeah. possible. Yeah, it would have been possible for sure. <sighs> yep. Anything else? No, I think those are those are the biggest uh, talking points that I, you know, noticed just looking at this slate, looking at how much the the sharps were playing of the top plays. I was also interested just looking at these these pros that I was looking at. I was the only one who had a significant amount of Gabriel Davis at all. Broflex had zero, Brick had zero, Frankie had zero, Larry had zero, McLovin had one lineup with Gabe Davis, and Nerdy Tenor had zero. So just of this random assortment of pros, I was the only one who played any Gabe Davis. Uh, just because I, I did play some of those game stacks. So at 6,500, I was, you know, I, I took my shots there. But I can see why people, you know, after the the big game last week, he doesn't have quite the the volume of targets that some of the other players at his He was the fourth rate. most owned wide receiver. Yeah. He was 18% he wasn't, I don't know if he was owned. projected to be. What was he projected? No, to be? no. Gabe Davis was projected to be like 7% owned. Yeah. Yeah, I also had him at 8.5% projected ownership. Right. So at 8.5%, I thought he made sense. Right, but 18, no. Yeah, less so. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, but I wasn't playing much of that anyway, so it didn't, like, I, to me, the the ownership didn't matter, right? Because yeah. I, was, I didn't mind good. playing Gabe Davis as long as it was in five-man game stacks of that game. So, okay, fine. If he fits in, he fits in. That That's perfectly fine with me. But I ain't playing Gabe Davis one-offs. I ain't playing, yeah. you know, he didn't project well enough to ever make those types of lineups. Right. Right? Like DK Metcalf only came in at 12% owned at 6,800. Like, yeah. 
To me, that was better. Yeah, I mean, I, it made sense to play DK Metcalf. Um, I'm trying to find what we had projected for. I had him at like 15. Okay. He came in at 12.6, so like uh, close enough. I mean, I had a ton of him. I had my He was my highest on wide receiver. Yeah, no, I, I thought he looked good. I thought he was a, a good play this week. Obviously did not work out at all. The the play, once again, is just to avoid those afternoon games, right? I guess Dig, Diggs did end up going off, so we did. you need something from – or at least help to have some. some, some someone in the, the in the RG Discord, like this is this is why I say that that the edge still lives, because these are people that are paying for things, and getting help and listening to them for for long periods of time, and still just will never get it. Someone in the RG Discord was uh, uh, these after the afternoon games haven't been shooting out. Should I? Should I be avoiding them fade. in the future? You got to fade them, yeah. Right. Well, it's like NBA. Like you got to always have somebody from the late game because there's always somebody in the late game who's gonna, who's right. gonna go off and catch you. Yeah. Like the times of the games don't matter when it comes to play. Yeah. When it comes to player performance, if you're talking about as far as like late swap optionality and right. some type of thing, that's a different story. But it's not like it's like no, okay, I'm gonna make sure to not never play a late player in NFL. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? That the time doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter. Unless you're waiting you for some, unless it's the time. way, and like I said, unless it's some type of like, oh, we're not sure if this guy's going to actually be active for the late game, which makes this guy a better play. Like, I want to save my spots for that and take that risk. Like, that's a different question than, oh, late, oh, four o'clock games, always yeah, under. Just bet if you yeah. think that, don't play DFS and just bet the unders. Yeah, right. Take all the money you'd lay in DFS and bet the unders. Right on, on those games, just do yeah, that. That makes sense. The yeah. same people that have to take, like, we'll have basketball season, right? Oh, no way. This Oh, so-and-so is going to smash against this team. So, so, so why, are you, why are you playing DFS? Just take all that money and bet his Some of us can't build blender. Some of us don't live in states where that's a possibility. Uh, Prize picks an underdog. Oh, sure. sure. Right? Pri- on pri- uh, this, is, uh, this is how ridiculous this is. Uh, to put things into perspective, uh, out of six weeks of playing NFL props on Prize Picks and Underdog, I've made a profit six out of six weeks. This week was my worst week, and I went fifteen and twelve. Nice wow. for for like a hundred bucks. I got I got one more. I got Russell Wilson tonight, uh, passing over uh, two twenty six and a half over passing yards. So maybe sixteen and twelve, but I went fifteen and twelve and still made a couple hundred bucks. I, didn't, right. I actually didn't know that you could do prop bets on underdog. Yeah, it's the same thing as price. It's the same. Yeah, but you have to pair yeah. them. You have to do two, three, fours, or fives. It's the same type of well, thing. Well, they don't. They don't sponsor our show, so fuck them. Okay. <laughs> I don't care who sponsors anything. I would. I want to go with the. I want to go with the, the the EV is. Yeah. No, I actually I play I play a lot of underdog. I'm I'm a fan of underdog as well. But I didn't know because they don't sponsor stochastic shows, so I decided. Right, but it's the same type. It, what 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 Price Picks does is the same thing as Underdog. And they, yeah. they may have different numbers though, right? You may you may get different. That's why, like, depending on the number, like I I had Zeke uh, over rushing yards last night, but I had it was over fifty one and a half on Underdog when I, it opened, and it was fifty three and a half on Price Picks. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna find all my pairs on Underdog. And not on prize picks. And then prize picks had it go down to 51 and a half also. And then I just nice. hammered all my pairs on, on, cause all, all, all the, 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 uh, what I've noticed on these sites, especially prize picks is that the dusty people, 
The dusty people, people, it, the casuals like slamming unders on dusties. What do you mean by dusty? Like old people? Yeah, yeah, people that have a perception of being bad. Like Zeke, right? Okay. Whatever his rough oh, yeah, prop yeah. that he opens with, it's going to probably go down. No matter sure. what. Like no matter what it is. I, my, my blitz projections, even at 53 and a half, had it as a plus EV. And I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna wait. I'm going to wait a day or two, right? Because I know this thing ain't going up, right? Yeah. If anything, it's going to go down. And then it went down two yards. And I'm like, okay, let me slam it. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, let the let the dusties, like the the, the dusty people, Randall yeah. Cobb or the something like. Perception is is low on them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's a, like it's not that it opens at 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 a number that's that you have value at it, but it's like I know this is probably going to go this way. But Even better. But the, yeah. the the sexy players are the ones where it typically typically just goes up. Right. So yeah. you want to hit those as quickly as possible if you have value for those. But the dusty guys. Like not no one likes Najee Harris. It's like you wait, wait a day or two for Najee Harris props. Yeah. They'll come down a couple of yards. Like they, I'm trying to think of the the counter example. Is it like a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase? The guys yeah, the, those love. those go up. Yes. Yeah. Godwin, Evans, Pittman, so Pittman sometimes because they open typically a little too low. Like Debo, those types of guys. Like they they typically go up. And same for the rushers, right? Okay. Right, like the like sexy, Hurts, the sexy or... guy Barkley will go up, you know that, that type of stuff. Okay. Jacobs, yeah. on the other hand, people fucking no. hate Jacobs, right? Yeah, Miles I... Sanders probably going backwards, right? Probably going down, right? So I, sometimes I, I don't mind waiting, especially when you have a daily limit. Like I only have a, I have a daily limit on how much on, on a on a twenty four hour period. So I always start with like the highest, biggest discrepancies, pair those with the biggest discrepancies for a little bit extra money. Right. And then once I hit my limit, it's like, okay, I got to wait till tomorrow. But a lot of times I get the biggest ones out of the way. And then I see ones that are big, but I'm like, dusty player. This ain't, I can wait till tomorrow. This, this line will not move. I, I'm, I'm betting that it won't. So I'm going to not prioritize p- making my pairs for it. And then there's some where it's like, I, I, I got to slam this immediately because this line may actually move like literally in the next half an hour. Because when you see yeah. huge discrepancies like that, you just, you know, you got to jump on top. I, I mean, I had some, uh, like, where's one? There was one that really moved. Uh, and you're just looking at projections to, yes. to kind of get an idea of where things should be. You're just looking at projections and then your own instincts for, like, what the public perception is of players, which direction they're going to move. Well, only if they're going to move down. I don't care. I there's no even if I find value on on a prop. If it, I found value value on Zeke over fifty three and a half, mm-hmm. right? Because the blitz had him at like but, I, blitz I mean, had him at sixty nine yards or something like that. So do you I'm just like, never take overs. No, no, I no. I'll I'll take the I'll take okay. the over there. But because it's a I, it's a dusty player, I may be able to get a better number tomorrow. Oh yeah. Most, that, of time, yeah. Most of the time you're not going to get a better number. Most of the time, but 90 plus percent of the ones that I pick, I'm doing Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Right? Okay. And I'm getting them as early and out of all of them, I I out of like what? The the 27 that I had, 22 of them moved in my favor. Nice. Right? So like like that that's why I get them early. I mean, then then some people end up landing on the number or landing right over it. I mean, like like you need to get so, them early because that that those the, two uh, yards may matter. The Macajeski line, you you can't feed your family on closing line value. You can't, but over Something time like you that. can. Over time you can. On closing line value? Yeah. Over time, okay. of course. I thought closing line value is too efficient that you're just not going to be able to. 
Now you're trying to get closing line value. Do you understand what CLV is? No. So no. I guess my uh, on closing line bets, maybe, maybe it's closing line bets. So my, my understanding is... Uh, oh, yeah. Clo- no, no. You don't want to bet at close. The closing yeah, line that, value... That my understanding of what he's... Right. Okay. Closing line value means that, let's say, uh, the line on whatever, get the, the football team A and football team B is... Eight and a half. You get you get you 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 bet minus eight and a half on the favorite, right? Yeah. That's the spread. And at close, they're eleven point favorites. Okay. Right? Okay. So you so got you got two and a half points of closing line value. Because yeah. anyone betting on Sunday, that team has to win by eleven. But you just have right. to have them win by eight so and a half. I'm I'm clearly misquoting Makajeski then. It must be a closing right. line. No, 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 no. But no, the well the common thing amongst amongst betters is that that it's like, oh, I got clo- you lost the bet, but you got closing line value. But that's the same thing about in in DFS of like, oh, I made plus EV lineups, but it just it didn't hit. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's the same type of thing. So like, Let's if you build lost. plus EV lineups over time, you right. will be profitable. The same way that if you beat the cl- if you could beat the closing line consistently in all of your bets or most of your bets over the large sample size, you're you're. It's proven you're going to be a profit. You're going to right. be a profitable sports better. So you right. should be judging your play, if anything, by CLV. If you're taking, if you're, if you're going and taking props, let's say you go and took 10 props and seven moved against you, right? Let's say you went, it's like, oh, I'm going to take this guy's, uh, I'm going to take AJ Brown over 72 and a half. Yeah. And then and by close, it's 68 and a half, right? It's like, yeah. Like, dude, if you would have waited till close, you would have gotten four extra yards to have a leeway to. Yeah, <clears throat> the line moved against you. It's like, in if you do this too often, like if you're you're losing money. But if it's moving with you, if you're, it, I mean, it's the same guy that that last week uh, said that like I like tailed all the stuff I posted on Friday. I said, here's all this, I, and I was only posting it to show the importance of that. And yeah. going, look, here are things that you shouldn't take now. Because if you would have taken them Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, you're getting like seven to ten yards on all these props in your favor. And then one guy's like, I, 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 I took them all at the current lines on Friday, and and I just happen they all happen to go over enough okay. or under enough, except for one, right? I had Brandon Cooks over fifty five and a half. It went up to sixty and a half. He came in at fifty seven yards. I win, that guy doesn't win. And I'm like, right. and then I said, well, that's the, I went on cooks and you didn't because that one bet per week, margins. right, yeah. on average is going to be the reason why I profit and you don't. Yeah. And then the, you know what the response is? Well, if they go over by enough, what does it matter? Right. Like, and yeah. How do you teach? That's how why do you there's te- always going to be edge. In, in how do you that. teach someone that's like that? You can't. Yeah. Well, if it goes over by 20 yards, who cares what the number is? Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, well, what? It's always yes, yes. They're the lines are so inefficient, right? You're gonna get, you're gonna get. Oh, okay. Uh, Patrick Mahomes over 120 passing yards. At that point, like, if you if, yeah. if there's a Patrick Mahomes over 120 passing yards, and then it's moving to 110. Yeah, right. Like, if no, no, uh, the other way. Like, if you, if you didn't get it at 120, and now it's at 125. I would still hammer it at 125 because right, right. it's still a hundred plus yards off. Like it's still ridiculously off as it is. So yeah. I can understand making that point, but they're never that 
They're right. never that far off that, like, imagine, like, if you took, uh, uh, whatever, I don't know, if you took Patrick Mahomes over 265 passing yards, and it, and you took over, and it went up to, uh, and, and you waited, and it went up to 280, and you took over then, and you had 15-yard difference, you didn't get, and then he throws 320 yards, and you're like, well, what do those 15 yards matter? Like, well, if you play this slate out over and over and over again, there are going to be times that it he matter. that it matters, right? And how many percentage of times will it matter? And that's that's what it will matter. It's not like, well, I know he's going to throw over 300 yards anyway. It's like, well, welcome to the astrology class. Then I mean, like, right. like that's the same thing in DFS. I think the guy's going to do well. I don't care what it's uh, what. Stefan Diggs, thirteen thousand at wide receiver. Well, he's going to put up 47 points. So what, what do I care what the price is? Right. That, that's, but that's essentially what you're saying. What is it? If so what is the salary? The future, then do it. Yeah. Do whatever you want. If you can predict the future, don't right. worry so much about salary. It's not about the feels. Is that the name? Not about the feels. It's that's not good, about the feels. Name. Yeah. I like it. Basketball. You, are, are you playing the, the, the small, the, the small two game slate tomorrow? Is it, I didn't know there was one. Uh, Maybe. I'm not. Probably I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to wrestling tomorrow, so I, I'm going to be gone anyway. Okay. Uh, but then maybe when, just to like get my feet wet, you know, get a feel for how NBA works again. It's been so long. Got to kind of get that that brain working again in the NBA. I think Wait. the Wednesday slate is like 13 games. Yeah, that one. I'll be going. I'll be going to the Timberwolves game for that one, which uh, it's kind of hard. It's harder to manage your lineups when you're at the game. Right. Oh no, okay, it's not 13. I don't like like I like what we're gonna get. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I like I hate these staggered stuffs. I just like, want an eight game slate every night. Right, right. That's what I mean. It's like I I, right. I like a nice eight, eight, seven to nine game slate. Yeah. Every night, rather than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games. Thursday, two games. Friday is. I thought they had gone more evenly spread last year. I thought I thought it was. I less think it eventually gets to that. I think in the beginning. Okay. I All guess right. with with NFL going on, they probably are. They're not going to have as many competing with the uh, Thursday night football game, right? But they still didn't mind Monday. Like Monday, it seems Monday, October twenty fourth is an eight game slate. Yeah, but Monday's not because Monday's not on TNT. That's why, hmm. right? Isn't Tuesdays and Thursdays are TNT games? No idea. I don't have right. Cable. Well, who watches basketball anyway? Right. <laughs> I watch basketball. Yeah. <laughs> you watch basketball. I watch Timberwolves. I, I, you know, we, we have ways of streaming it. Uh, and I, I obviously I go to a number of games. My brother has uh, the the channel you need for the Timberwolves. So I go to his house to watch Timberwolves a lot. I actually don't have the channel myself to watch it. But, you don't have yeah, league pass? You don't have NBA league pass? I should probably, I, is that on your computer? You can get it on your computer? Yeah, and you I, can I've stream it anywhere or whatever. Maybe I'll I, do that this year. But I think it, it, you have blackout restrictions on that also. So maybe you're not even able to see Timberwolves games. Right, and those are the games that I want to watch the most. So right. I don't, I don't know. even know why I have League Pass. It's quite possible I I barely ever watch the the games at all. I enjoy I enjoy basketball. I think basketball is probably my f- second favorite sport to watch after oh, after football. Oh, oh, brutally boring, dude. <laughs> dude, I will watch I will watch a Broncos primetime game, a Redskins or whatever Commanders Bears game. Yeah. Because the train wreck is more enjoyable. It's fun. And- I enjoy the train wreck. I don't. I don't know how people think NBA is boring. I get it. Like 
generally most games yes it's true that like a lot of it comes down to the fourth quarter and there's so much scoring that it's like each individual play like isn't that impactful but just the athleticism like i, I just feel like it's more more fun to watch the the dunks and the shots and it's more i'm more impressed more often in nba dude watch soccer you'll see you'll see athletic crap all the time in soccer i'm sure i will right i uh yeah I've just never gotten into like I if I knew the players and played soccer DFS I'm I'm sure I could get into soccer right I just haven't. I have an MMA. Look, out. look, I was never into into MMA until COVID. Yeah, now, I'm not someone who typically loves watching violence, but uh, with MMA they fucked me. Right, right. MMA I could watch. Dude, I'll it's like Bellator's on. I'll, I I could watch that with nothing on the line with like not like, Cage Warriors the Contender Series. I have nothing. I still probably wouldn't watch it with nothing on the line, to be honest. No, but I could but with, do that with something on the line. Yeah. No, but I could. No, but I could do that. I could do that for for MMA. I could do that for soccer and MMA. Anything else is, dude. I don't even know how it's how it's palatable. Even like I don't even know. Yeah. I, like, dude, I'd rather watch the commercials at this point. Well, we are definitely not on the same page there. I right. I love watching basketball. It, it, nothing matters. It does, it just doesn't. There's no psychological nothing. Great. There's a two pointer. Right, I'm going to see like a hundred more of these. But some of them look cooler than others. I don't know. They're so athletic. They make shots that, like, I couldn't points. even imagine making. They're only worth three points. Dude, Damian Lillard from half court. Still only a three-point shot. Who cares? Yeah, but I don't know. I just I enjoy watching. I don't know. That's, that's okay. Just, well, that's uh, you. I'm not. I'm. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying yeah. this is the reason why I find basketball to be very boring. Yeah, no, I I understand the argument for basketball being boring. Also, my my sister in law will say all she can hear is the squeaking of the shoes whenever my brother and I are watching. It's just all she hears is the squeaking drives her crazy. Um, but I, I don't even hear that. I don't know. I guess I'm interested. Whenever in I watch a basketball game, the only thing that I'm paying attention to is one and a half points for him, three points for him, three and a half points there. Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm like, what players do I got in this game? It's like, oh, there's one one and a quarter point for the rebound. That oh. Does that count as a steal? I think that's a two point. Like that's all at anything else. I they might as well put bubbles. Anytime something happens, go plus two and a half. Like like the DK live. Yeah. If they had an overlay yeah. of that, I'd watch. I truthfully, Neil, if they did that, I'd watch. I'd watch way more basketball. I mean, I I wouldn't mind that. I would like that too. Uh, yeah, no, that's it's a big factor for me in basketball too. I I rarely watch it with nothing on the line. I probably would not watch a ton of basketball outside of the Timberwolves. I occasionally will go to a Timberwolves game and just not play DFS because I love I, I love watching the Timberwolves. Outside of the Timberwolves, I probably am not going to watch a ton of basketball without uh, fantasy implications. So I guess I'm with you on that for the most part. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Neil, you're going to be on uh, 7 million shows this week on uh, on Stochastic. Correct. I'm, I'm doing the uh, – the new one is I'm, I'm joining the Sunday Night Football show this week. I think me and Eric Lindquist will be doing the Sunday Night Football show for Stochastic this week. Uh, and then other than that, I'm doing – all of the other million shows I do every week. Right, you went. You went from you went from like one show to every show. One show to every. I've. I, I am no longer doing a baseball show. I had been doing the uh, Wednesday baseball show, and I thought I was going to be replacing it with basketball at least for the time being. Though I'm not doing basketball content, which uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Doing enough NFL. Uh, you could follow Neil at PlayerQ DFS. You could follow me at Blender HD, and as always. Get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. The advanced course is out right now, right? Ten chapters, six hours, as well as all the Excel tools that I personally use that James McCould has developed to be more accurate and more efficient with your process. Pick that up right now 
at theoryofdfs.com.